0: Well, all right. Hey there, and welcome to episode 30 of We Can Do This. Today, I'm really excited to have Molly Grisham join me as my guest on the podcast. Molly is an experiential facilitator who works with teams to help them grow and become the best version of themselves. Now, entrepreneurs, we tend to talk about growing our teams and building these large teams to help us achieve our mission. But what we don't often talk about is how to build healthy teams and how to foster healthy environments for those teams to work in. And that's what Molly and I talk about today. We talk about how to identify signs that our teams are growing apart, or what you'll hear Molly say is dying apart. And we will talk about what it looks like to become healthy versions of ourselves in order to help demonstrate and model healthy leadership for others. So, I'm really excited for you to join Molly and I for this conversation. I had the opportunity to hear Molly give a keynote presentation just probably over a year ago in Nashville for an event that I attended. And I remember being so challenged by that talk. And I actually recently went through my notes from that talk. Um that's a little bit of a life hack <laughs> uh, is to actually go back through your notes from experiences like that and kind of relive what you were learning in the moment, because how quickly we forget what we may have invested a lot of time or energy or money into experiences for ourselves. And then once we get back into life and work, we we forget all about those experiences. But I went through my notebook and it was, it was kind of tapping into what I learned. And a lot of what I learned from that event and that experience was from Molly's experience of really communicating a lot of what we share today, but guiding us through exercises. And it truly was an experience, and I'm really grateful that she was willing to jump on the podcast and have a conversation with me about some of these topics. And I'm glad that you're going to be able to experience those listening today. So let's go ahead and jump into this conversation with our guest, Molly Grisham. All right, hey there, and welcome to the podcast. Today I'm here with Molly Grisham. Molly helps to build and sustain teams in a wide variety of industries. She believes that teams don't grow apart, they die apart. And she knows that elite, high performing teams in all industries get stretched and pressed by the demand to perform. I've invited Molly on the podcast because she is passionate about helping teams to rediscover their strengths and restore their relationships so they can rebuild their teams, become healthy teams. So, Molly, I'm really excited to have you here. Thanks for joining me on the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited for the conversation. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, let's jump in. If you want to share with our audience, for people that might not be familiar with you, Uh, maybe what you do and maybe a little bit about your background and your history that got you to this point in helping teams succeed.
1: Yeah, thanks. I spent the first two decades of my life in education. So I was a communication professor uh, at several different uh, colleges and also was a college soccer coach and eventually became full-time college soccer coach. That's all I was doing. But I realized while I was coaching and while I was teaching that what I loved about both of those things were simply helping people grow and develop. And of course, that was nowhere in my job description. (laughs) It didn't say, make your people better. Uh, It listed a whole lot of other things like fundraising and recruiting and retention and admissions tours and winning, but it didn't say anything about growing your people. And so I became really curious Does it matter if we invest in our people? Like, would that change the outcome of their sport experience? And so I became super intentional about that and started developing our leaders with a lot of purpose and getting a lot of clarity around our culture. And what I noticed was a lot of the teams that we were competing against were calling me and saying, I don't know what you're doing with your team, but it's working. Can you help us figure it out? And they knew we weren't getting a budget increase. We didn't get a new stadium. It it wasn't that. There was something happening internally. And so I began to wonder, could I just create a path where I do the one thing that I love every day, all day, every day? Could I just help people grow and develop? So about six years ago, I walked into my boss's office and I quit. I just said, I'm done. I got this other thing. I got to go do this thing. I got to go pursue it. So I started my own business and I now work with teams and organizations and school systems and nonprofits all over the country on that personal growth component. It oftentimes starts with the team and then we kind of cover a couple of other areas that tend to surface, but I get to come alongside people and help them be the best version of themselves and help them work through what I would call their speed bumps, the stuff that's just slowing them down over and over again and help them be at their best. And it is a privilege and an honor every time I get to do that.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love it. Um, I love the mission behind what you do. And I love that it seems like it's something that you can't not do. You are, have been really compelled to to make this your mission behind your life and work. So you mentioned that you kind of come alongside teams and partner with them and help them grow. And I imagine every team is different. But is there something about your approach and your methodology that you have found has been pretty consistent in helping people achieve that dream of becoming better versions of themselves and even collectively better, a better us together?
1: Yeah, I, I think you're right. Every team is unique. But I would also say there are like the general things that apply to all of us. And then there's the specific ways they show up on each team. So there are some things I can I can count on with almost every team I right. work with. Like, oh, there the, there's that thing again. Yeah. That shows yeah. up with every No group. surprise. <laughs> right. But my process is very similar for almost every group I work with. And yet the content can be a little unique. Like we're going we're gonna to figure out, okay, I'm going to use these tools, these resources, but then let's figure out what their specific issues are. So my process would fall under what would be known as experiential facilitation which simply means it's a very hands-on process. It's an it's an experience. Like I use that word a lot in my work. We're going to have an experience together. And that is directly connected to my sport background. You think about any sport, if you want to learn it, you go do it. <laughs> if you said to me, I think I want to be like uh, the greatest tennis player ever, I would say, well, do you have a racket? Do you have a ball? Like, let's let's go do that. And so maybe you would go listen to someone lecture and maybe you would watch some YouTube videos, but the truth is you'd you'd go out and do that thing. So when I come in with a group and they say, we struggle with communication or we struggle with leadership or we struggle under adversity or we do not know how to resolve conflict, we're gonna put them in environments where we get to do those things and we get to practice those things. And then we get to zoom out a little bit and say, okay, what did we just experience? What showed up in the room in a really safe environment? Because the truth is, no one's gonna get fired over this. No one's gonna get demoted. It's not gonna show up in your performance review that while we were doing this activity, you didn't perform at the highest level. So people are in a little bit more relaxed state, but we start to see these patterns. I was working with a group a couple of weeks ago and the leader had told me, we are very much siloed. Everybody just takes care of their own thing. And so we did this activity that you cannot solve unless everyone shares the information that they have. And sure enough, they went into silo mode. Like they were struggling and struggling and struggling. And and it was an opportunity for us to talk about it in a safe way. So we didn't have to like name people. We could just talk about what just happened right here. Oh my gosh, we became siloed. Oh, let's talk about that. Does that show up in any other places? Oh, okay. Well, now we can talk about that. We can we can segue into that. So it's very hands-on. It's very experiential. I think a lot of times when people hear the phrase team building, they assume it's a trust fall. It's not <laughs> a trust fall. It's much more applicable to the work that you're doing, to the context that you're in. It just allows us to say, like, what's going on here? And now let's be able to address that.
0: I love it. I like how you you call this and you know experiential learning. I've been able to experience a little bit of, you know, when you've presented in the past. I've been able to experience some of that, and I remember a little bit of feeling uncomfortable in a good way with some of the questions you're asking, and it's clear that you have tools that help um, you know, get people to actually put into practice uh, the things that you're exercising. And it's, it's very, very cool to see. And I think a lot of ways you, you don't think of the practical, you're thinking about maybe this exercise in the moment. And then it's very, very clear that this is, uh, whatever you're experiencing in the moment is maybe, you know, shown in the workplace. One of the key components I know that you talk about is vulnerability. And that's a really, really important topic. And everyone has a specific level of comfort when it comes to being vulnerable, period but especially with you know in the context of with your colleagues do you want to share with us a little bit about vulnerability i know we can't force vulnerability but we can create environments where you can be vulnerable in in a healthy way what does that look like and how can we create those environments where people feel comfortable being vulnerable with one another
1: yeah i i am a big believer to your point that you cannot force vulnerability i would call it manufactured vulnerability it's where You're sitting in a circle and and somebody says like, we're all going to break down today. We're getting our walls down and everybody's going to cry. And I'm one of those people that I see through that immediately. I'm like, oh, this is just for show. This is to check a box. Everybody cried. Everybody was uncomfortable. Now we pretend this never happened and we go back to work and we're no better, no better for that. So whenever I'm working with a group, I often say the phrase, everything we do today is an invitation, not an expectation. I want people to know that they get to choose where they set their boundaries. They get to choose how they participate. I often say that being present is a form of participation. Certainly in our culture, we value extroversion. We value the loudest voice in the room. That's not always the most valuable voice. Sometimes that person who sits there all day doesn't say anything. And then in the the seventh hour raises their hand. And I I just wanted to mention something. And they say like one sentence and it's just blows everybody (laughs) away. Like, oh, okay, well, that's pure magic. Let's end on that note. And so we can't equate vulnerability with how much we talk because the truth is sometimes just being there is about as vulnerable as a person can be. Just staying in the room, choosing to walk in, choosing to put my phone down, choosing to be present. That's a form of vulnerability that we don't often name in our groups. And so I, I try to tell people immediately, you get to choose what your boundaries are. I don't set your boundaries for you because we're all in in very different places. And I try to be really intentional about not using the word safe space while it has great intentions, we're using my definition then of what safe is. And if you were just like assaulted in the parking lot and you walk into the room and I say, you need to leave it all at the door. This is safe space. Whatever your worries were, check them at the door. Well, I'm not honoring like the wholeness of who you are as a human by doing that. We're going off of my definition of safe. And Maybe you've had bad experiences with groups before. Maybe someone like me has done damage to you before and you're coming in guarded. I have to honor the fact that you chose to walk into the room. Now, in terms of like, how do we make it happen? I don't think we make it happen. I think we use tools and processes that just allow people that invitation. And I think we have to do a couple of things. One, as leaders, we have to model it in really healthy ways. And I think when we talk about vulnerability, the healthy version for me means we're speaking from our scars and not our wounds. And you've probably been with someone who's done that interpersonal work, who's been self reflective, who's gone to therapy, who's done retreats, and they can talk about really hard stuff, but they're talking about it from a place that's healed in them. That scar has has healed over. And then maybe you've been with someone else who's talking about an experience that's raw, like it's just a scab that just keeps getting ripped open. And it's really uncomfortable when they talk about it because they haven't gone down that healing path. And so that means for us as leaders, we have to do the work of healing ourselves so that we can model for others what that looks like. Otherwise, it's manufactured vulnerability. It's let me think about the hardest thing in my life I could talk about that would make me cry and make you cry and I'll share that. That's not vulnerability. Vulnerability is being able to say, hey, had some hard stuff in my life and I've done the work. And let me tell you what's on the other side of doing that work. We, we need leaders who will do that for us. And then the other piece I would add to that is how do we respond when someone is vulnerable? do we make them uncomfortable? Do we talk about it? Do we bring it up months later? Or do we let that just kind of be in the room and be be that moment? I think the latter of the options is the healthiest option. I think we can do some real damage to people when the next day we're saying, hey, when you were crying yesterday, that really nope, that was their moment. That Let that moment be that one moment. It's not for us to keep stirring that up again. But I, I just believe that healthier humans create healthier teams. And so as leaders, we've got to model what that health looks like. And when we get ourselves into a state of health, then the vulnerability is just sharing what that journey has been with others.
0: Hmm. Well, that's really, really important. I have heard you say before about you know the importance of good leaders, actually like loving people because our teams are comprised of people. And what I hear when you share that, I hear that we need to have compassion and empathy when people share maybe vulnerable or important things, trusted things with us, and to really honor those moments and spaces and let them be what they need to be in the moment and not take advantage of that for maybe our own gain in some way later on. That is, that's so huge. Thanks for sharing that.
1: Yeah. I, I, I believe leadership is love. It's just, it's that simple. And I think sometimes we make leadership so complex. Just love your people. You're going to do fine. You look at the best, most effective leaders in history. Their people felt like they were loved by that person. And if every leader just said, I'm just going to show up today and love my people in whatever way they need, things would get done really quickly.
0: Yeah. That's so good. So up top in the show, I, I read another quote or saying from you that you said that teams don't grow apart, they die apart. Share with us what you mean by that. And, you know, if we sense that maybe our team is beginning to pull apart or, you know, to borrow a silo, like you were talking about earlier, how do we acknowledge that? And what do we do with that?
1: I'm a big believer that naming things matters. That if we don't name the problem, the odds are pretty high we're not going to solve the right problem and when we don't solve the right problem we're actually creating another problem and so if we don't name what's happening appropriately we're creating solutions for problems that don't exist and then creating more problems in the process and most of us who have led teams at some point have said we just worked on that for like 6 months it was the it was the wrong solution that wasn't even the problem what what were we doing so the reason I love that phrase is we're naming what is happening. So I will have people say to me all the time, eh, you know, we're just we're in a season where we're growing apart. We've just because of COVID, we had to be hybrid or, or we had to be remote. We just grew apart. And I'm like, you actually no, you're not growing because growth is health, right? Like we're we're healthy when we're growing. You're not growing apart. Let's name that correctly. You're dying apart. And every time I say that to a leader, they're like, oh, that just totally changed (laughs) the whole context, right? Because to say we're growing apart, it just kind of feels okay. But to say we are dying as a team has a completely different feel and a completely different path that you want to take. There's a sense of urgency there. If you are a leader and you're sitting in front of your people and you say, I think we're growing apart, "Eh, let's circle back in three months. If you say as a leader to your people, I think we're dying as an organization, I think we're dying as a team, it becomes priority number one. Let's tackle this right now. So to me, the value in that statement is we're naming what's happening so we can figure out the right solution to the right problem and not spin our wheels going down the wrong path.
0: Yeah, that language is really key. Uh, That's really important. When we sense that that's happening, and I think it's probably... Important that it's not just like the leader is sensing that's happening, but maybe even a team member is noticing. Hey, we are dying apart here. What are some ways that we can foster environments where it is okay to kind of like name that out loud and and bring it up and say, Hey, I sense maybe we're being pulled apart or dividing a little bit here. And um, I don't know. What is the f- first thing do we do? Do we call a professional? Do we have a <laughs> meeting? Do we do a retreat? Like, what is what do we do?
1: Yeah, I think you mentioned it at the beginning. My belief is that the path to team building is to rediscover our strengths and restore our relationships. So when somebody says to me, like, we're dying, what do we do? Okay, let's rediscover our strengths. Let's figure out what makes this team tick. What what are we so good at? What is it that makes us say, we gotta have Sean on this team because he's magical at X, Y, and Z. Like, what on this team are our strengths? Because people get excited about their strengths. Our strengths are fun. Our strengths are what we wanna invest in. And then we have to restore our relationships. And when we do that, we naturally rebuild the team. So I think oftentimes when a team when, or an individual says like, oh, I think we're dying apart, they think, oh gosh, this has got to be like a 50-step solution. I don't think it is. I think it's two things. I think once you rediscover your strengths and once you restore your relationship, you are on a path to health. Now, I often do think that that requires an outside voice, that, that someone can come in with some neutrality and some perspective. And that depends a little bit on the health of the leader. Um, The healthiest leaders I know, throw the doors wide open. Like, come on in, tell us what we're not seeing. Help us see our blind spots. Tell us what we're good at, because we kind of forgot that. We were just, we just kind of operate in our, in what's good. And we forgot that that's really good about it. So having some fresh eyes can be really valuable. And it's interesting to me, people often say to me, well, how do you work with the leader who's just like a jerk? how do you work with that leader who doesn't listen to you? How do you work with the leader who doesn't care about your opinion? And the answer is so easy. Like those people don't call me. That's not my client base. Like the people who call me are the healthy leaders who say like, help us get from where we are to where we want to be. And I think that's a sign of healthy leadership that you're willing to have some other perspectives and outside voices and that you know As a leader, your job isn't to do it all, but your leader is to be responsible for making sure it happens. And sometimes in that responsibility, it means trusting some outside voices to help you get there.
0: Yeah, oh, that's great. There's Humility is huge. And that can be acknowledging that maybe as a leader, there's something I did that fostered this, and it's time to call someone in to to help. Or it can just acknowledge, hey, it isn't even because anything I did or didn't do, it's just, like you said, maybe the environment, maybe COVID, maybe something. Something changed. New team member, new director, new something. Let's just get this figured out. It's so, so good. So like I, like I mentioned to you, like a lot of the listeners of the show are working towards a purpose, right? There's something that they're doing either professionally or as part of their organization that is engaging in creating a better future for others or the world. What would you say to people that are maybe listening to this podcast that are looking to grow a healthy team, but they haven't even started yet? Where should our mind be? Where should our hearts be? Where where should we be orienting ourselves if our goal is to build a really healthy team, pulling out people's strengths, helping them become the best version of themselves so that they can make an impact that is great and meaningful?
1: To me, the best leaders I work with are all in on the personal growth of the people that they're leading to the point that they are comfortable with the idea that their people might surpass them in their own personal growth. And that takes a, that takes a special leader to say, I will give you every resource, every idea, every bit of wisdom I can give you, and you might surpass me, but I love my people so much that I'm willing to do that. And so if a leader, if if someone said to me, like, I- I'm about to go on this leadership path, I'm building my team, I'm building my vision, I'm go all in, double down on the personal growth of your people. Go all in on it. Because the more you maximize your people, the more they have to give to the team to propel the team forward. It will take care of itself. A hundred percent, it will take care of itself if you go all in on taking care of your people. Those are the kind of people who aren't going to want to leave the culture that they're in, those are the kind of people who are going to have your back during really hard times, and those are the kind of people that are going to put the mission first because you put them first, um, double down on the personal growth of your people. Um, I often say that your personal growth capacity is your leadership capacity. So I, I would tag on to that that as a leader, while you have to be all in on everyone else's personal growth, you also have to be all in on your personal growth. If the assumption is once I achieve a leadership status, I'm done growing, then you like a team are now dying. You gotta double down on your own personal growth too because those are one and the same.
0: Yeah, that's a fantastic recommendation there. What I hear also in that is if we don't put people first, we're gonna hire, bring in great people that do and perform poorly. And a few episodes back, I think we actually had a mutual friend of ours, Eugene Choi, and yeah. he, had very, uh, man, he had a very, man, he had a very similar, I hear echo in that sense of, you know, people in the space can tend to be people that put others first. But if we don't actually take care of ourselves, we're actually sacrificing caring for others. We can't care for others if we don't care for ourselves. Molly, uh, I really appreciate you have, joining me today. Before we like sign off, is there anything else that you want to share? And if people want to connect with you and the work that you do, where do they find you?
1: Yeah, we'll start at the end of that question. You can find me at com. So my website's got links to all my social media. It's got a link to my mailing list. But I'd love to connect with any of your listeners. I, I think that entrepreneurship can feel lonely. At, at times we feel like no one understands what I'm trying to do here. So if I can connect with, with any of your audience and just support them on that journey, there have been times in my life where somebody just showed up and said, yeah, you're on to something, keep going, keep going. And I'm like, that's all I needed. I just needed somebody to to uh, fuel my tank a little bit. So if I can do that for folks, I'm glad to do it. And then I think I would add, you know, my background was athletics. And for the first couple of years of my work most of my clients were in athletics and now i'm in this space where i'm working with educators and nonprofits and entrepreneurs and i'm seeing how it's all interconnected everything that i'm teaching it, it literally doesn't matter what the industry is because the tools and processes work with humans and as long as i'm working with humans we're good to go so if there are ways i can can support encourage be a resource for anyone in your audience i would be more than glad to do that
0: all right, awesome Well, I'll include some information about you in the show notes. If people wanna find you, they'll be able to do it, but we'll make it easy for them and throw those links in. But I definitely, everyone, I I really encourage you to follow Molly and keep up with what she is doing. Um, You're just such an encouraging presence and um, your expertise really, really shines through the work that you do. And I really appreciate your generosity in sharing that with us today. So thanks again for joining me. And I know everyone's gonna be really grateful that they listen to this episode. So thank you.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Awesome conversation with Molly. Like I said, she is just such an encouraging presence and voice, and just being around her and just hearing her teach and guide and facilitate these experiences it just makes you want to become a better version of yourself I think she really practices what she preaches in that regard is you can tell that she is through her teaching really modeling healthy leadership so I hope you were able to gain and glean some wisdom from her into how to lead your own teams maybe some exercises or things that you can do to help your team grow together. And I hope that I really do hope that you you follow Molly and, and stay in touch and keep in touch with what she's working on. So thanks again for listening to the podcast. I know it's been a few weeks since we've really released an episode. I'm really doing some work here to build like the next iteration of what this show looks like. And what it's looking like is you'll really be able to expect more episodes from the podcast, both from More guests from people in the social impact space, as well as expert voices uh, that can really help us grow, like Molly. And you can expect to hear more episodes from me sharing from the work that I do with helping entrepreneurs and and clients of all sizes uh, grow their business and ultimately achieve greater impact. So, if you're listening and you've made it really to this point, I would love to hear from you what you're hoping to see and hear from the podcast, what you feel like you're missing in the work that you do in helping you achieve more impact. And I'd really just love to hear what you're up to. So you can go ahead and jump on Twitter or Instagram. Those links are in the bio of this episode, but my handle is at Sean Pritzkow. And just send me a message. I'd love to hear about what you're working on and what ways that this show can really support you and and how we can really build a community of people that are helping each other and championing for causes that are really important. So thanks for listening. Excited to hear from you. And I'm looking forward to joining again together for the next episode of the podcast. See you next week.